Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a full house at Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and above me on your YouTube screen, I've got Drake and I've got Dave. If you haven't already, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure you hit the individual like button. And folks, turn on notifications. We go live every morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern time. It's not entirely true. We pre-record and then we we premiere it to you live. But 7 a.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday, we are people first, podcasters second. Wait, fans for We're fans that love doing podcasts. We've been covering the team for 20 months, and we try to make you a little bit smarter about Florida State every single day. Today, I am going to give my breakout player of the year for next year's nominee. We're also going to talk about which player we think was most underutilized by this staff, and then we're going to wildcard it at the end. We, uh, we may talk about the sport we haven't talked about. We may talk about recruiting, but you got to stick around to find out. Drake, roll that video and let's do this. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So again, make sure you're subscribed and thank you to the almost 800 of y'all, knock on wood, I don't want to jinx it, that have subscribed to us. Dave, you have a heck of a frozen face right now, but let's kick it around, guys. Do y'all want to start with me following up on your segment about who my breakout candidate for the year is, or do y'all want to start with um, underutilized player? Let's go with your breakouts first. I think it would be do offense and for defense, so one for each. Yeah, so, so my breakouts and Drake, you can probably link the episode is someone I've talked about quite, quite a bit uh, on offense. It's, it's going to be DJ Williams because I think he was probably one of the only players last year who didn't see the field because of depth in his position, not because of a lack of skill on his part. That's not to say every player that didn't play had a lack of skill, but that meant there was someone incrementally better above them who I didn't think was amazing. That was keeping them from playing. Whereas I thought having, Treshawn Harrison and Jay Sean Corbin in front of him really just did I say Harrison I'm sorry yeah. Treshawn Ward I'm getting a lot better about the names guys but every now and then but I think I think having those two in front of him buried a really good player on the depth chart and I think having Treshawn Ward likely elevated to halfback one you're gonna see a lot of really good work out of DJ Williams and then on defense you know I I I got to take the safe choice and I think I'm going to do a twofer like a combined and it's going to be our middle on the defense. I think it's going to be fi- you got to pick one, man. Well, oh, but they're okay, but they're not, they're they're a function of each other. Like it's it's Robert Cooper, Fabian Lovett. I mean, to me I think it's Fabian Lovett because Robert Cooper is already maybe seen as like the more developed player, but the middle of our line is just going to I think going to eat this year. I think you will see a similar development. And this is a bold prediction. But I think you will see a similar development of the middle, the interior defensive line from last year to this year, as you did on the edge from the year before last into last year uh, with Jermaine Johnson there. We got a lot of good pieces there, and I I think the middle of the defensive line is going to be the breakout. So which one do you think will break out even more? I I think it's Fabian Lovett. I really do. I think we saw him take really big strides last year. Like To me, Coop has always been about the same, which is really, really good because he's a monster when he's not injured. Fabian, I think we saw him come in from Mississippi State. I don't want to say his first year was a disappointment, but it was relatively quiet. And then last year, we really saw him start to come alive. And it's like, okay, if he can take that kind of step forward again this year, 
he could very well be playing on Sundays the following year and, and see himself taken in the draft. So I, I think he's probably my breakout of the two. I like those picks a lot, actually. It kind of goes with what I picked. I think I think we did it two weeks ago where I had Quayshawn Fuller as my breakout because that's someone that we definitely see along the line. I do like Fabian Love a little more than Cooper because we saw, like last year, he actually probably could have been drafted if he had left this, this offseason. I didn't think about DJ Williams that much, mainly because with Trey Benson coming in, I wouldn't be surprised if he loses a lot more carries to Trey Benson because he's apparently been doing very well to her duty. I mean, we see today where like the the only black warrior jerseys are Stephen Dix Jr., Tatum Bethune, and Keyshawn Helton. But so in mind was Kane Lyle, so I think the offensive lineman. We've always had the grad transfer come in and be the best player in offense. But I I hope DJ Williams plays well because like he's at Auburn, he was nice to watch, man. And yeah. we need someone to come in and basically take a stranglehold in the RB one spot. Actually, once with Jason Corbin gone, I, I will say. Caden Lyles, the only concern I have there is that the center is a much more, it requires, how do I put this? There's a much larger learning curve to play center for a new team. So I wonder if he'll be able to get up to speed and have the immediate impact. I know he has the physical tools. It's just like, is he going to be able to go out there and play center? Or are we better off with a Mo Smith who's been in the system for three years now? I, I don't really know. So I don't, if he's not at center, I don't know where he fits in. Um, I'm also not being a hater, but like Caden Lyles does have some some question marks, right? Like you look at his PFF ratings and they're not bad by any means, but they're mm-hmm. not spectacular. Like this isn't a, okay, this guy's a sure thing. Like you look at Jared Versus numbers and yeah, they're in the FCS, they're at Albany, but Jared Versus is probably in the transfer market about as sure of a thing as you can get just based on what you're seeing on paper. So uh, other than, you know, take that back, Justin Fields was probably the most slam dunk of a transfer ever. But Jared versus up there. I don't know about Caden Lyles. I, I I don't hate the pick. It's just going to be interesting to see what he develops into. Yeah, Max, you, you heard my pick, right? No, I didn't. All right, offense. I had to go Malik McLean. And I my reason being that if it's not a receiver, uh, we're going to be in trouble on offense. If Jordan Travis doesn't have somebody reliable to throw the ball to, that can either catch a slant or stretch the field at this point. Really, either would be welcome. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter what happens at the line of scrimmage, but our receivers were just totally inept last year. It it almost didn't matter what Jordan did through the air. He had to do everything through the legs and everything through the air was a bonus. And that can't be the case next year. I I will fear for his life if he doesn't have a reliable receiver. So, Yeah, I mean, he's got to have someone that could just play that 7-11 role, right? Be always open. And it doesn't even have to be a receiver. Like that's who Nick O'Leary was for Jameis. Like you just knew O'Leary was going to find a soft spot in the field and maybe it was going to be a dump off, but like in in heck it wasn't even always the middle of the field, right? Like O'Leary almost had a nose for knowing when to head towards the sideline and just give Jameis someone's head to throw over to not get intentional grounding. Like you kind of need that person. That's just really in that Vulcan mind meld with the QB and is sort of their go-to. I, I'm actually going to talk about Malik in the next segment. I, I don't know if he's that guy just because of his, his athletic profile. I think, one dimensional is not the right word. I think he's more of a specialist, like more of a deep threat and a jump ball guy, but doesn't mean he can't be that on the outside in the red zone. So anyway, I want to talk about our, our candidates for the most underutilized player of 2021. But before I do that, I need to talk to y'all about the person that may be your most underutilized. It's not a person. The thing that may be your most underutilized item in your pantry. I hope it's not, but it may be built bar folks. If you're not grabbing one of these every day, well, then you're clearly more committed to Florida State than you are to the summer because you got to have that protein. You got to have the low carbs 
And you got to be building it every day with Built Bar. 17 flavors, 15 grams of protein, 5 grams of carbs. It's an amazing ratio. It will get you going pre-workout, post-workout, breakfast, lunch, dinner. It doesn't matter. It is the perfect addition to every meal plan. Just like we're hoping Norvell picked up some perfect additions to his roster. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off your order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Now, guys, this is going to be um, position agnostic. I, I'm not, I don't really think, I don't, I don't want to do like one offense, one defense, because I, I kind of want to do one for the entire team and really make you single someone out. Who are y'all's nominees? And then I would like to try to select one of the nominees because I think it'll spur good conversation for the most underutilized player of 2021. Dave, you want to go? Yeah, I, the problem is you kind of already, you, you kind of already took mine in that last segment. Max, did you did you mention how many snaps DJ Williams took last year? No, no, I didn't. Twenty two. Twenty two really? snaps last yep. year. Total. That is insane. That's one of the lowest totals on the team. He barely saw the field. Talk about underutilized. Like if you're going just by somebody who literally didn't see the field, I mean it, it almost has to be him because I expect with the loss loss of Corbin to see somebody besides Treshawn Ward have to emerge as that you know, like, like we've talked about, Norvell likes to play multiple running backs. I don't see how somebody who's had 22 snaps who we expected to see time from last year isn't underutilized, like on either side of the ball. Well, I, I think, A, that's, that's I, I didn't know the number was that low. But it doesn't that's surprise me know. when I think about it because Norvell and company likes to use their running backs for two things on third down, right? They like to use them either to pass block because, well, we need them desperately, or they like to send them out and make him catch passes. I don't know if DJ's really a pass catcher. I don't think he's bad at it, but that's not really like where he fits. Also, I think he's going to be a bruiser in the run game, but my man's 5'10". Like when you've got six foot 220 and Jayshon Corbin, and then you've got like Treshawn Ward, who's what, six foot, like 210, 205, probably not putting five foot 10 back there to, to pass block for me. So again, it's just like, it was a weird lack of fit in the defense. And then if I'm running routes, like Ja'Kai Douglas, who... Many could argue would be the most underutilized guy on your on your team. I'll that's my that's, that one. Yeah, that's literally my guy. Yeah, he I, only had he was he was snaps. a great. Yeah, talk talk about Jakai for a minute. I mean, yeah, Jakai. I mean, with the DJ Williams thing, he had literally only eleven carries last year. But with Jakai Douglas, it just felt that. I mean, he you look I look at the stats right now. He had one hundred ninety five snaps. Right. It just feels that every single time he caught the ball, some big play would happen or some big third down conversion that would can go across the field. And so, to me, when you had options like a Keishan Helen who struggled at the beginning of the year. Malik McLean, who was like struggling as a freshman coming in, Pokey Wilson with the drops. Jordan Young is still not even breaking breaking the um uh, starting lineup, but has even more snaps than him. So it's like, to me, it's interesting and strange where you see that Jakai is not even breaking the maybe two hundred fifty snap mark. Hey Drake, my question with Jakai though is, was his productivity when he was on the field due to his scarcity? Like he was a gadget player in every sense of the term, but I wonder if he would get more attention if he saw the field more. Like it seemed like every time he was on the field, he did something, but that's because he wasn't on the field all that much. He was on the field the whole game. I I doubt every play would be popping off an 80 yard catch. That's a good point. I mean, like everybody, I feel like everything, (laughs) but it feels like those were like every time he did a kid a chance to catch the ball, like something good would happen out of it. Right. And we always discuss how we were 
lamenting how the wide receivers couldn't get any separation from the get-go, right? And it just feels like when he was in the game, not only was he able to do that, but it kind of towards the end of the year where they had tape on him, it allowed like an Andrew Parkman actually to somewhat get open for the fourth and 14 catch. So it's like, I get he's a gadget player. Maybe he's a situational wide receiver, but it feels like naturally he's the best weapon we have on offense. They just don't know how to use him. So I don't know whether it's they don't know how to use him or he's just such a, as a, as he fits a niche in the offense for certain downs, certain distances. I think it comes down to a common misconception within this fan base. Don't hate me, y'all, but it's 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 just something that I see tossed around a lot, and that is how difficult it is to, quote, scheme people open. Because we've all heard the old phrase, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You really shouldn't be able to scheme the same player open with the same play more than once or twice a game. Also, there have to be setups to scheming a player open, right? You have to do something with that player you can't just put them on the field and be like, oh, we got a great scheme for him because someone's going to account for him. You have to do something like I broke down in our film breakdown many months ago where you've got your tight end and Trey, Mc, uh, not Trey, Mc, I always do that. Cam McDonald. McDonald. Yeah, Cam McDonald doing that squat back position. And on three plays in the space of, I think, six or seven snaps, they run a counter to one side and he's the lead blocker. And then all of a sudden they leak him out to the right and throw him a screen pass. Like that's how you scheme someone open. You don't just come up with this crazy route that no one's ever seen to get him open. So if you're relying on scheming a guy open and he can't get the separation just by being a better athlete or what we saw a lot this year, when your offensive line is letting them get pressure with four or even three and they're able to drop back as many guys as they are and you're one of the worst teams in the nation at getting yardage on first and second down so you're often in obvious passing downs, it's going to be really hard for guys in general to get open. So we saw that all across the board. And that's where I think you saw the the lack of repetition with Ja'Kai is he kind of has one skill set. He's not the best route runner, but he's really fast. So if he gets mm-hmm. schemed the right way on a, because I think most of the a time his big catches were motion wheel. wheels. Yeah, He was coming in motion. He was outrunning man coverage and just taking off, which is great. I mean, it's good to have that. But when they know a pass is coming because you're on third and eight, because you're on third and nine, that's not really going to be that valuable because someone's going to account for him. And yeah. So anyway, my, my, uh, my most underutilized player was going to be Malik McLean. Um, 16 catches. Here's the thing. You weren't going to be any good last year. You realize that after zero and four. And we talked about this, how it was important to fight. It was important to win games. And they ended up winning what five of their last seven, which was awesome. We were all excited, but I would have liked to see more utilization of guys like Malik that you know are going to be your dudes yeah. like two years from now. Well, two years from then, even a year from now, like, are you only throwing him the ball six times? Just throw him a bunch of jump balls so you can at least practice it in live game situations. I don't know if you throw him the ball 15 more times, if there's any, like, I don't know which game you lose throwing it to him twice as much as you did. Obviously don't on fourth and 14 throw to him because you had parchment. But other than that, it's like, what I don't know. So that that was probably my most underutilized. But isn't that like kind of like you had to kind of, like Norvell kind of has to balance like we need to win some games as like basically right now the fan base wants them fired after only winning five, but then they won't go so deep and say like, hey we let's give the young guys some burn or like you kind of have to like balance the two of those right. Like, Same thing with this coaching staff right. Like that's what yeah. I've been I've been ranting about in my solo episodes based on listener questions is like he he I don't think he's finding that balance well right where it's like. Yeah, okay, you don't want to totally throw a hand grenade in the staff and, you know, you have, what, 14 on-field staff? You don't want to end up with 12 new ones. But the level at or the level to which he's prioritized continuity, 
from a team that won eight games in two years is a little befuddling. So yeah, I think you're right, Drake. It's it's a balance. I just I I don't know if he did it well. I would have wanted to see. Oh Malik no, get because I think we're on the same page with that. <laughs> and Max, by the way, so he was on the he was on the field. Malik Lane was for 426 snaps, 239 passing plays, 33 targets, 33 targets. He only caught six. Okay, so that's a little on him if he only caught 16 or 30. I mean, he's a a freshman wide receiver, probably is just as difficult as being a freshman offensive lineman. It's just like, it's just a lot of stuff you have to learn. And we all have been saying it here, too. It's not that easy when your development coach is Ron Dugans. So, yeah, (laughs) right. We've also said that it ain't easy being cheesy. And with that, I'd like to tell y'all about Bet Online. You ruined it. .ag. Get it? Ah. My transitions are up. Always cheesy. .net, sorry. Yeah. BetOnline.net, folks, is the one place you need to stop by for all of your sports action. I'm talking everything from who's going to win the baseball game tonight to who's going to go in what order in the draft. They've got lines on everything over at BetOnline.net. So y'all need to go ahead and make your account. Use promo code locked on. You will get a free welcome bonus. That means if you put in a hundred bucks, they'll give you a fifty percent bonus on that. Bump you up to one fifty, and you can start playing because you need you have gone to BetOnline.net. The game starts here. All right, so so who are we going with with our most underutilized player? Our nominees are DJ Williams, Malik McLean, and the speedster. Why am I blanking on his name? It's been a long day. Help me out here. Jakai Douglas. Jakai Douglas. Jakai. Come on, man. Uh, I think we go DJ with Dave. I think I think both of you have kind of clamored for him. I, I was a big fan of him when he was a recruit and also at Auburn when he backed up Tank Bigsby, too. So I think DJ Williams, like, we know how good he can be. We just don't know why he's only carried the ball 11 times in basically 11 games. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you say Malik got 33 targets, that's not that bad, right? That's three <laughs> targets a game. He like, had a lot. He had, a, he had some drops. He had some. No, no, he did. Drops. He did. Yeah. Now, I will say the one against Notre Dame was like one of those where it's just like, oh, a year, a year. If he, if same throw against LSU, I don't think he drops it. That was just such a freshman just like in that moment. You know, you're just like, oh. Yeah. Can't be mad at him, but you're mad about what happened. Um, I agree, and and you know, I want to, I want to. Last thing I want to say on this topic is, we're not saying DJ Williams is going to go win the Heisman. We're just saying that him having 22 carries last year, while it rationally 22 snaps sense, right? It's like 22 snaps. Sorry, 10 carries. It's like that was underutilization. Oh, did you of, see my my notes on uh, Porter yesterday that I sent you guys? I don't know who Porter is. I saw what you said. I just West Virginia is the West Virginia DB. Did we, tra- did he transfer? Is no, he- we, he's, we're named in his final four. He's close friend to Winston Wright Jr. And we're taking another DB maybe in the transfer portal. A DB who allowed an average passer rating higher than Patrick Mahomes. I just think it's such an interesting push and pull because we see this in the comments. We talk about it amongst ourselves and we see it on Twitter. Like, we don't know what we don't know. And no one's going to be fully honest with you when they strike out. It's just not how it works, right? Like, just whatever. So... I do wonder how much of it with this staff is getting rejected. Like, I, I, let me put it this way. I trust this staff completely when it comes to intentions. I think execution can be lacking, and I think decision-making isn't always perfect. But I don't think Mike Norvell's trying to lose games. Like, I don't think he's like yeah. Dan Mullen. If y'all didn't read that about, y'all read the Inside <laughs> Gators thing about Dan Mullen, how he just, like, he was actively trying to not have kids, to have kids yep. not come to Florida. Like, he's a horrible recruiter. I respect it. I kind of do too, in a way. But like he clearly, he likes anyway, vacation. He likes vacation, I, man. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm getting off topic, but 
my point is like, I can't believe that they don't see what we see and say, Hey, we need more linebackers. Hey, we need a probably another quarterback, at least a serviceable backup, if not a day one starter. Oh, and by the way, like we don't need any more DBs. Like we've got plenty of those. And yet you're still seeing like a DB from West Virginia drop us in his top four. How much of that is them just like having no clue what's going on? All these guys who are paid, what do they pay Drake? A collective like $8 million in the assistant pool per year? Uh, I think it's around like five and a half, six. Five and a half. Okay. So, so, right. So 13 dudes, whatever, who are paid a collective five and a half, six million bucks. I can't believe that they're that ignorant or that naive. So it's like, maybe they're just getting rejected, but we saw this with Bam Moore. Like, do you really need, like, you don't have to fill that position. Like, what good does it do to have another cornerback that isn't any good? If anything, like, you run drills in practice, right? Doesn't it kind of hurt your receivers if you're adding, like, another depth piece that you're going to give some second, first, even team reps, and, like, he's not that good and they're not getting any better? I don't know. I mean, yeah, you, have, you know, we have plenty of okay DBs. <laughs> We're like, okay, DBU right now. That was going to be my point because (laughs) aside from, I guess, Renardo Green when he's healthy, Sidney Williams, Akeem Dent, and Jarvis Brownlee, who exactly are we, you know, super stoked on IDB? We need to see a full season, you know, from Kevin Knowles and Amari Cooper. We need to see a full season from then. Demore Tate hasn't been healthy. (sighs) Jerry and Jones has been somewhat of a bust up until this point. And then Travis J, I know Dave, he's your he's your boy, he's your breakout player of the year. He hasn't been able to put it together for the past few seasons. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I it, it feels like the staff is worried and like they missed a bunch on their DB picks. So maybe that's why they bring kids in. I'm in the camp with you guys because it feels like we're just, we're, we're having quantity over quality defensive backs. Yeah. So it's like it's, there's a lot more pressing issues out there like Max Lutu with linebacker. We've got Tatum Bethune. That's awesome. Please get one more because I don't think we really need to see Steven Dix or Dieter Lundy. That's snaps. the thing. I would take that. Like, if you're going to get the equivalent of a guy who's really average, right? Let's say a three star transfer at linebacker, I'll take that. You need bodies in that room. You've got Amar Gainer, all right, who maybe we're going to get high production out of. He's probably the second best linebacker on your team, probably first best all around, is what it is. You got Kalen Deloach, who can cover. He's your best coverage linebacker, but, you know, it. it he can't cover three people at once. And Matt, then we don't. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to ask you to answer the same question I asked Drake when we had this conversation sure. like last week. Name me in order from top to bottom the positions that is most important to stockpile. Okay. Linebacker, linebacker. You're going to want to grab some linebackers. Now, for this team specifically, it's going to be important to grab a few linebackers. And if I look at immediate needs in 2022, probably linebacker. <laughs> So Go, keep going though. Keep going yeah. down there though. Seriously. Yeah, order, okay. Order. For real though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let me give you order important. So I think number one is, um, number one in recruiting is linebacker. Seriously, because that's, you need to develop that position long-term. You have zero committed linebackers for 2023. That's unacceptable. Number one for transfers, I think is probably your skill position, which we addressed with wide receiver. So I guess that's like a one, but it's struck off. Number one right now that you need is quarterback. I really, I still think you need a backup. Like Jordan Travis gets, if he gets hurt, we're screwed. Like it's not, that's not even me saying, no one thought Francois was going to get hurt. If Jordan Travis just, I don't know if he gets the flu and misses a game, that's a, a guaranteed loss at this point against pretty much any team on our schedule, inclusive of Duquesne 
and ULL. So quarterback's Duquesne. number one, Duquesne. Duquesne. Uh, number two at transfer, definitely linebackers. And I think number three, it really wouldn't kill us to get more depth on the offensive line. Or D-line, right? Like Or D-line, right. The edge positions always, for sure. Right. But, yeah, but I mean, and DB? that's the thing. You can't is have enough passed? bodies on the D-line. Like, where's DB for you? at this point before DB, right? Oh, actually, kicker, I should have put that higher up there. I'm going to be honest. Like, given what we've got, that, yeah, kicker actually probably is number one. If we could get a transfer kicker <laughs> that just wants to, like, just for some reason wants to move to Tallahassee for a year, I, okay, great. Um, but, no, that's, that's a good question. So, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so you've got these linebackers where you have two where you know what you have. you got your best all around in Amari Gaynor. You've got your best coverage guy. You're hoping Steven Dix gets better this year. Yeah. He's not a bad linebacker. You can just tell, like, he was a four-star prospect that everyone told you was going to be very raw and not have the football IQ because he started playing it late, I think, something like that. And that's exactly what you've seen. DJ Lundy, that guy can clog a gap, but, yeah. you know. He should the, play fullback. Right. Like yeah. he, he's up there with guys who were born 10 years too late. He would have been a great player in the two thousands. Like if he was, if he played no one Oh two Oh three, he would have been a phenomenal football player somewhere and probably would have had like an eight year career in the NFL. The neck pad, the neck roll thing. Oh No, he would have had oh, the yeah. cowboy collar, right? Straight up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but what I do know is that our people need to go on with their Wednesday. So gentlemen, do you have any nuggets of knowledge you want to drop on the folks or or anything you want to discuss before we let these people go on about their week and make it a happy hump day? Yeah. We in the biz call this a tease, which is our basketball team is just so pathetically, embarrassingly bad that I can't do it justice in 15 seconds, but I will on another episode this week. Our team is bad. Be on the lookout for Coach Hand to leave in the next two years, and be on the lookout for yeah. probably Malik Osborne to come back for one more season, and probably Polite yeah. possibly might do the same thing because they're not going to go off in this note. Bye, White Wilkes. Goodbye. So I will say this about basketball because I probably won't be on that episode when y'all talk about it. Uh, as a Florida State basketball fan, this year doesn't bug me as much as it should because, like I said, in the aggregate – They've been so much better over the past six or seven years than they ever should have been. So, like, I remember being a kid and seeing years like this, and we didn't have Elite Eight runs to remember. So, like, at least now we've got good years to remember, and it's like, okay, it it softens the blow a bit, if not a – not saying it makes it fun, but it it makes it bearable in a way that it wasn't in 2008, 2009. Like, back then it just sucked because we were just really bad. And and you know what? While we're saying bad, let's say something good. Our softball team is – Friggin' awesome, man. Holy Our shit, softball that game team against is UCLA so was awesome to watch on ESPN primetime. Gonna be honest, I've, uh, you know, after the Super Bowl, I do sort of try to make 80 bucks and I suspend my YouTube TV until March Madness. So I haven't seen any sports in the past couple weeks, but take your word for it. I mean, you're not, you're not a pro sports fan, Max. Trust me, you, you'll be dealing with me and Dave when baseball starts in about a month and a half. Yep. Yep. So. Oh, man, y'all are too much. All right, folks. Hey, thanks for stopping by. We hope y'all have a wonderful Wednesday. We are going to be coming at you Thursday. We're going to come at you Friday, and we're going to come at you five days a week next week because that is what we do. I'm Max. That was Drake. That was Dave. Make sure y'all subscribe. And this was Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. <laughs>